Mr. Mark Selby, how are we? I am very, very good, Mr. Matthew Gordon. I'm glad to hear it, sir. Glad to hear it, sir. Here we are again. Market's heating up. Uh, I'm excited for this week's conversation. Look, um, hit us with the uh, nickel numbers. What do we need to know? Were you right? Yeah, no, I wish I wish things were heating up, but uh, you know, as we're expecting, things are getting cooler. <laughs> um, so yeah, nickel nickel continued its you know heading down towards the seventeen thousand five hundred uh, ton level, eight eight dollars a pound uh, for those on the non-metric system. Uh, again. Fully expected this to happen. You know, right now we're sort of bouncing around in that seventeen and a half thousand, eighteen thousand range. You know, and I expect to sit, you know, sit in that range for a bit. I mean, maybe at this point, uh, you know, maybe we'll see a fall down to sixteen thousand five hundred. But uh, you know, uh, again, sort of as expected. Uh, you know, the the thing I think in terms of big breaks lower. You know, we were already at a record as we discussed last week at record short levels in terms of quantity and dollar and value. So. You know, it's going to be hard, you know, for that, you know, for them to continue to ex- extend the amount of, of of shorting that's there to drive the price down. So, um, you know, so so we'll see how it's going. And, as, and again, I don't expect it to, to drop much below there because there's some, you know, pretty meaningful cost support, you know, in and around uh, those levels. So right, okay, and um, a few other things on the macro before we kind of get into the company stuff was um, how's the kind of uh, sulfate premium to briquette looking like? Yeah, so again, in sort of the, the whole theme of you know as as prices come off, this is accelerating this great convergence that we've been expecting uh, you know for the past year, and so yep, again saw you know sulfates pop up to a nice premium over briquettes, um, and the NPI discount you know pulled in uh, another you know small step uh, this week. Uh, you know what'll be interesting to see over the next x month or two you know we had seen prices rise uh back in october uh when indonesia slapped some mining we sort of started to deal with some illegal mining um, and saw some ore getting imported into indonesia that caused a little bit of market panic you saw ore prices pop up um over the last week or so we've seen sort of the whole you know ore price npi and uh, stainless prices just come off a little bit um, you know, what's interesting, we're already starting to see, or, you know, despite sort of that weakness, we're already seeing ore inventories, the port start to drop as we head into the Philippines rainy season. And again, given, you know, the fact that there doesn't seem to be necessarily, you know, tons of ore fl- uh, lying around everywhere, uh, it'll be interesting to sort of see how this plays out, you know, with again, you know, the news that, uh, you know, we are expecting some sort of announcement from Indonesia here before year end on what they're really going to do with with mining quotas and so forth. So just will be something to keep an eye on as we go into, into the end of the year. Well, as, like, as, as listeners to this show for the last three years will understand that the, the whole China, uh, Philippines, Indonesia triangle is, is really kind of important to um, the, the nickel drivers. Now, you, you mentioned Indonesia there. There's been an announcement out of Indonesia with regards to, you know, the confirmation on the ban on new smelters what can you tell us yeah so so they they had already you know sort of talked about this and in fact you know uh, i thought they had already passed some laws but anyways um you know they're reinforcing again that you know they are not going to allow any more nickel npi plants basically to be built um uh, they're concerned about the amount of ore that is 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 available and just making sure that you know they don't use it up too quickly because um, they again want to see a whole downstream business get built in Indonesia. There were several stories this week ar- around that theme, and again, I think they're just softening softening the market up to the fact that they are going to you know basically uh, as I expected sort of start to manage 
uh, nickel supply, you know, through these through these mining quotas. And so, uh, you know, I think they're just getting the, the market ready to, you know, for when they make the big announcement that, you know, the market's not surprised. Um, and and uh, there, and again, you know, this is something that I was expecting to come down the pipe, you know, Indonesia on its own controls more of the nickel market today than OPEC did at its peak. So uh, it makes perfect sense for them to flex their muscles to make sure that Indonesia, um, you know, gets the maximum value from a, from a limited set of resources. Right. Okay. And and I and I think um, this here we go. So because <laughs> that 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 message came out of the uh, Ministry for Energy and Mineral Resources from Indonesia, right? And I think it was Erwan uh, the RF. Minister of Energy, Minerals, for the Acceleration of Minerals and Coal Governance, uh, that was, came came out with the news um, yep. as as you've described there. So, um, it, and what what are the just just talk about their concerns there? Because obviously, there's a kind of relationship with with China, and you know, and also kind of capturing more more of the value, but also some of the practices being um, utilized there. So, what, what are they trying to actually get a, a control of? Yeah. So so. So, so just fundamentally, you know, the, the thing with laterite resources, unlike, you know, hard rock mining that most people in the West are used to, you know, where mines can, you know, a lot of the deposits can continue on forever and you just kind of cut a line in terms of, okay, it's no longer economically mine below that level. A laterite deposit is literally, you know, anywhere from, you know, five to 50 meters of soil sitting on top of rock. Um, that the nickel content has been upgraded. And so once that soil is gone, you know, the resource is gone. You know, it's not like, you know, you can keep mining forever. And the other part of it, because it's relatively shallow and over large horizontal expanses, it's really easy to high grade this ore. So, you know, the stuff that was mined 15 years ago was, you know, closer to two and a half percent, you know, 10 years ago was 2%, you know, Five years ago was 1.8%, and now we're seeing grades, you know, start to trend down towards the 1.5 to 1.6, you know, percent level. And so, you know, they, you know, so so that's number one in terms of just the structure of the resource is a big driver of that. Number two is, you know, Chinese, uh, you know, have always overbuilt <laughs> processing capacity. You know, we've seen it in time and time again across a whole range of industries. Just because they build capacity doesn't mean it's going to be fully utilized. Um but you know what? When Indonesia is worried, is that you know these Chinese companies in in a, in a in a race to be the you know out, be out bigger than you know bigger than the next guy in the race, basically you know suck up all this resource, keep nickel prices lower than they otherwise would be, um, you know, and then end up you know draining Indonesia of all its nickel resources in ten or fifteen years, and they really can't build the thirty and forty year type of industries you know that they really want to see and create sort of sustained economic development. Uh, for Indonesia. So, you know, that is is their number two, you know, and, and number three, you know, they are seeing these ore grades, you know, really do start to come off, uh, you know, and they're all, you know, they, they, you know, they've realized that there was a bunch of illegal mining happening um, and they've, you know, really clamped down on that as well. And so, you know, that's where we, you know, started to see ore coming, yeah, being imported, imported into Indonesia from the Philippines when some of those crackdowns happened. So, uh, you know, e- each one of those dimensions is really pointing towards, you know, th- this kind of policy as 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 the right thing to do to make sure that Indonesia benefits by a maximizing the value they get from the resource and make sure that, you know, it's there for, you know, for several generations to benefit from. Right. OK, so we don't, we don't have an avatar situation. Um, so I, so these kind of quotes, these kind of quotas, um, which which. Are, sorry, are they in already, or we're talking about trying to manage the the supply by 
implementing quotas going forward? I mean, how how, how do they actually control this? Yeah, they, they issue licenses that have a have a have a right to mine a certain amount of of material. I think they'll just basically, you know, I, I don't know the exact mechanism they'll use whether they will basically cut quotas, like basically say everyone we're going to trim everybody by ten percent, or whether they'll refuse to issue new ones as they they come up. And, and start to squeeze it that way. You know, that's kind of still a TBD here in terms of what that policy is going to look like um, over over the balance of the year. Right. Okay. And I, and I think just 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 uh, sticking with it, just on that macro thing. Finally, I think we're starting to see a lot more data coming out of uh, US and European battery uh, chains um, in, in terms of their view of the demand drivers and I I, I guess by inference um, the desire on the supply drivers as well. So. W- w- what are you kind of reading into all of that, given that you're going to be one of those suppliers into that market, into oh, no. those markets? Yeah. The, you know, the, the thing I think, you know, that we've seen, uh, you know, obviously with the feasibility study we put out last week, you know, that got a good response, you know, to that. I mean, again, the markets are horrible, but, you know, in terms of the, the people that matter, in terms of the, the downstream uh, supply chain, the consumers who are, you know, the offtake partners who are going to help fund us to build this project. Um, you know, they were very happy with where it landed. And and I think that the thing from a market perspective, over the last three or four months, we've seen, you know, the intensity in which the automakers and the battery supply chain want to lock in non-Indonesian supply, you know, has really ratcheted up a notch uh, during that three-month period. So, so again, I think, you know, the realization of, I think part of it's driven by the fact that lithium's come off the boil. They weren't panicked about as much about lithium anymore, and they've turned back towards nickel and realize, okay, you know, there've been very few new, new, very few new discoveries and new projects. And, you know, what we've got with Crawford, you know, is really one of them and and the ability to have large scale, low carbon nickel in a safe jurisdiction in North America, you know, is, is becoming increasingly valuable. So, you know, the, the combination of both these statements around Indonesia managing supply, and then what we're seeing, you know, what we're seeing, you know, from these offtake uh, offtake partners is is very heartening for me in terms of what you know the next two or three years is going to look like. Right, um, and what about the next um, short not time? Not necessarily two or three months, or maybe two or three months. What? How are things going for you on that front in terms of those sorts of discussions? You talked um, previously about strategic partners, importance of strategic partners coming on board. Do you feel? confident that there will be conversations that there are conversations and, and that there will be news for your shareholders yeah no we you know we we said uh we said during the the, the conference call you know for the feasibility study and, and we've had you know in our objectives you know for the year is to, is to get you know one or more of these offtake deals over the line uh before year end you know those are progressing very very well you know we did that bridge financing with ormet back in september to give us the flexibility and take the time you know, to be able to, to get those things done uh, before year end. And, and, you know, as I said, <laughs> with the increased level of, of, of anxiousness, you know, that we're seeing from people around locking in supply, you know, it, it's helping us immensely. And, and, you know, we're pretty confident here that we're going to get something over, over the line here, you know, sooner than later before year end. Okay. Before year end. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. We'll, we'll keep tabs on that one. Um, let's talk about some other company news. Uh, company we talked about last week, uh, Alaska Energy. Anything yep. new? Some more drill holes uh, came out. You know, again, a big bulk tonnage deposit. Um, it, again, it, it was initially uh, explored by Inco in the 1990s. Uh, this company's uh, picked it up. Um, you know, unlike Crawford and say FPX, you know, where you've got, you know, it's, it's primarily nickel. This does actually have some 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 copper with it as well, and and some more elevated 
uh, PGM grades. So uh, again, another couple holes, nice big wide, you know, 300 meter type intervals um, with the kind of grades you would expect, um, you know, for these kind of, of bulk tonnage deposits. So it's good to see they're aiming to put out an initial inferred resource early in the new year. So, you know, again, good to see, you know, uh, some new, new potential supply in the United States. You know, there's very few places where you find minerals and find nickel and, uh, you know, even fewer places where you have the chance to develop an asset, you know, and, and in the right parts of Alaska, you know, you can, can get mines built. So, well, you know, this is, you know, one to keep an eye on, you know, as, as, as things move forward there. Okay. Fantastic. And, um, getting a little bit bigger, Rio Tinto, obviously, uh, leaning into nickel at the moment. So, um, what's the news from them? Yeah. So they're doing, you know, again, a lot of the majors like to have sometimes just sprinkle into some early stage exploration things. So, uh, as said, Aussie junior Sultan resources that, you know, Rio's got a joint venture agreement, you know, into uh, a target in in uh, Western Australia. They've committed to spending two million over five years um, to get eighty percent of it. So, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see how that plays out. Again, good to see more activity, you know, in the on, in the exploration side. So, um, you know, that's always good to see. You know, on the other side, on the lateral right side of the fence, um, you know, w- one thing we've talked about, you know, on on multiple shows is you know. Laterite leaching outside of Indonesia has proven to be challenging. Sumitomo Metal Mining is really the only one who's been able to successfully implement implement it out of the gate. Um, and you know, one of the Aussie juniors uh, announced this week they've pushed out their feasibility study. You know, out to mid twenty twenty four. You know, according you know according to their their release, you know, their preliminary operating capital expenditures you know are higher than anticipated. You know, and they're going to you know do more work to to optimize these costs. You know, they're also talking about you know in terms of uh, metallurgy test work in terms of variability of the ore. Um, you know, so you know those are the you know that's that's the tricky part with these laterite deposits is they tend to be highly variable over even short distances. Um, you've got a very complex, generally you know more complicated uh, processing. You know, with with these laterite leach projects. You know, and things. <laughs> Building and operating things in, in parts of Australia are definitely not cheap. So, you know, I, if, if you are going to dip your toe, you know, into this part of the market, you know, I would encourage you uh, to do your work. Look at Murren Murren, which is operated by Glencore today. Look at uh, Ravensthorpe, which is operated by, by First Quantum, just to get a sense of what, you know, operating costs, you know, do look like in, in, in that part of Australia and then use those as measuring sticks you know, to look at some of these other leach projects that are coming down the pipe to get a sense of whether their operating costs and capital costs, you know, are, are reasonable. Again, you know, these, these, these Australian laterite deposits, you know, they really are one of the, again, one of the only other substantial sources of potential nickel supply outside of Indonesia, you know, so some of them will, will come along um, and, you know, uh, again, done properly, uh, you know, will likely make it to market, but just, you know, just, just encourage people to be careful dipping their toes in because the the first generation of these projects um, back in the late 90s uh, early mid 2000s didn't work out so well for their for, for the first owners no and um yeah we're seeing actually it's interesting we was talking to a, a copper company talk, talking about deferring economic studies through their copper player them uh, this morning and they're they're now advancing through to the dfs that they're they're kicking off next week and ask the question about you know why we're seeing so many companies defer the economic studies. And, you know, I think the response from him was, well, maybe they're not so sure about 
wanting to put those the sorts of economics they they now face um, in, into the market. And obviously, you've just you've just delivered a feasibility uh, study into, into the market. Um, what are, what are those kind of concerns? What are those barriers that some companies, I don't necessarily want to name names, but it's some of the challenges that they are facing at the moment, clearly market reaction is 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 one thing and, and probably facing up to the, the reality of, of their own, um, te- you know, the technical challenges ahead uh, will, will be in there. But what what do those conversations look like when you work out the timing of these things? Yeah, so so the, you know the the you know the thing that we've seen obviously over the last three or four years is a substantial increase, you know, in 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 the capital costs of a lot of items. You know, we saw a bunch of inflation, um, you know, in a number of the items that that we were looking at. We were fortunate though that you know we, our our deposit, you know, even though we were at a feasibility study, you know, again we do everything in parallel, um, and so. We still had a huge number of of opportunities to to basically reduce cost, add value, which more than offset the kind of inflation, um, you know, that we were seeing. So, if you're a company that maybe's got a, it's a deposit that's been around for a while, been relatively well explored, maybe you added some, you know, additional incremental um, supply, but you did that before you even sort of really got down um, looking at your engineering studies. You know, once the resource is fixed, you've got some levers to play with, but not necessarily, you know, a huge number of, of levers to play with to add value, um, you know, as you're going down this path. And so I think, you know, the combination of this extra inflation that showed up over the last two or three years with copper prices coming off. And so maybe these guys were thinking when they kicked off their feasibility study, I, they could use, you know, 450 copper and, and this thing would be a home run. But, you know, today at 365 copper, you know, not necessarily looking like like a shining light at, at these things. So, you know, uh, you, you know, there's there's been been a number of companies that have kind of slowed things down, or as you say, sort of given guidance that they 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 pulled it back. So it's not a not uncommon in in these you know in these uh, at this point in the, in, in cycles to, to see that kind of thing happening. Right, but 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 it, but here's the, the question which gets sent in the most to us, which is why not? Just stop spending money. If the market's not reacting to anything because you know investors are nervous about you know the 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 economy or whatever it is that people are nervous about, why don't companies just stop spending money because nothing's really working? Surely you get a free pass for that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think you know. Th- I think there's t- to me there's two two paths down there. It, you know, you've got the, you know the the valley of the Lasan curve, right? Is that you know first you know PEA. You know, and then you're in the valley until you kind of come out to the feasibility study and start to get the financing in place. And so, you know, from from my perspective, if you really believe you do have a project, you know, that will get built and will get financed, you know, then it may as long as you don't don't blow up your capital structure. Uh, again, you know, if you've been able to raise the cash in a way that's not too dilutive to your current shareholders, then yeah, it makes sense to power ahead so that when when the market does turn. You're one of the first projects that are ready to go and and get out of the gate, um, you know, when when the market's ready for it. If you don't think or you're not sure that your project's actually gonna gonna be able to make it in those situations, you know, I think it is the right thing to kind of dial it back, sit tight for a while, um, you know, and then see what happens, you know, on the other side. So so as I said, I, I think you know the answer to that question really does depend on on whether you you think you'll actually get to a point where you can build and finance, and that's obviously the case, you know, with with Crawford. Um, and which is why we, you know, why we advanced it so aggressively. Mark, appreciate your time today. I better let you crack on and we will speak to you next week. Sounds great.